In the hyper-political climate of 2021, where every act is viewed through a COVID lens, how do we find joy? Keeping the masses in fear and in panic is effective for the politicians, but pretty much the antithesis of what humans need or prefer to prosper. Liberty is possible, but it will demand effort and work. Those things are hard. They who instill the fear have tipped their hand, and we know what comes if we falter. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 136. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Summer is mostly here, and that means ice cold white wines. Check out the selection of white wines or reds or champagnes at California Wine Club using my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash CAWineMain. Find the classics, such as Chardonnay, or the interesting, such as the Rosé of Syrah. Stock up on fruity blush wines for sangria, or just laze about while someone tends to the grill. Visit culinarylibertarian.com slash main to sign up and start your hot summer in cool style. Chris Rossini is my guest today. Chris is editor, writer, and the Friday co-host on the Ron Paul Liberty Report and editor of the RonPaulLibertyReport.com. Chris is also the author of Set Money Free, What Every American Needs to Know About the Federal Reserve. I've asked Chris on the show to discuss how to resist the vaccine passports and how to keep hope and optimism alive while doing that. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining me today on the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. It's great to be with you. Thank you very much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Before we get rolling here, please take a few minutes to just give us a brief introduction to you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Chris Rossini. I am the co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report on Fridays. Uh, during the week, Daniel McAdams co-hosts with uh, Ron Paul, and uh, I am a libertarian ever since I, I would say, my 20s uh, for decades, and uh, very passionate about the subject. I, I believe in human liberty. I believe in individualism, and uh, especially during times today, I believe that this is a message that is very important to get out, and I'm uh, very pleased to be on a libertarian show. Well, I'm pleased to have you here. Thank you. Uh, so, you mentioned the Ron Paul Liberty Report, and it is from the Friday, April 9th episode that uh, that caught my ear, and that's why I invited you on to speak in detail about uh, some comments you made near the end of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, that show's theme was the war on cash. But as with nearly anything at the government level, nothing is ever confined to one issue. Mm -hmm. So I want to read my transcripted version of your words, and then I'm going to set two basic questions, which are basically a lifetime of work to answer. Mm -hmm. Take your time. Just be quick about it. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. uh, so this I, I took a few things out because it sounded like it was extemporaneous speech. Quote, this authoritarianism, this tyranny is not inevitable. The propaganda will try to make you think it is, but it absolutely is not. Because the way it works is that politicians and their corporate partners will only do what they believe they can get away with. You know, we've seen these vaccine passports floated out there, and there was tremendous opposition. We saw it with our videos. We saw sometimes with some of Dr. Paul's short clips, 10 times the amount of viewers were watching it. And you can see that they're backing off for now. So speaking out absolutely matters. 
If they see the opposition, they will back off. They will be back. They will look for another angle to get these vaccine passports through, but we must always, persistently, make sure that that angle is always cut off by speaking out. The same thing must go for this digital Fed coin, whatever they want to call it. We have absolutely no control over our money because with both of these measures, our freedom, just like Dr. Paul said, is on the line and speaking or silence will determine the outcome, end quote. Um, that's very passionate and inspiring. My first of two questions is, how do people speak out? That is, by what medium? And the second is, how much of this passport stuff is not even in the control of Congress, which is my veiled suggestion that it is the World Economic Forum pulling the strings? Yes. Uh, well, I'll start off by saying that uh, what we're dealing with uh, psychologically is not new. Power and liberty has been the story of mankind since the very beginning. Um, and it's, it's I, I almost want to say it's cyclical, but, you know, you, you get tyranny followed by, uh, you know, liberty followed by, again, tyranny. Uh, so we are in the tyrannical stage, I would uh, say, in the story. You know, this isn't like 1776 where freedom was blossoming, uh, especially in the United States, but it also the idea swept around the world. So the reason why I say that it's not inevitable that we will end up as, you know, slaves, which is, you know, I don't even think it's controversial to say that anymore because... Our opponents are very uh, vocal about what they want to do to us. Uh, it's, but the fact is that they don't necessarily have to succeed. And I do not believe that they will succeed because I believe that we have the truth on our side. I don't believe that man was made to be uh, the permanent slave of another man. We've had episodes uh, you know, where people were subject, uh, subjected to slavery, unfortunately, and that was not permanent. That also was shaken off. So the the future is bright, but you know, we're all concerned mostly with our own lifetimes because this is what we're going to experience, not necessarily the future of what happens, you know, 10 generations from now if liberty succeeds. You know, right. we want to succeed now. So the best way that we can affect uh, what happens is by speaking out. And uh, you asked, you know, what's the best way? And, you know, there is no one answer. You know, this is a podcast that you, I, I noticed you've done many shows. So you're obviously very good at what you do. Uh, but to another person, this, this is uh, not for them. They, they would never, they could, uh, they may be a novelist where they can take the ideas of liberty and, and, and make it into a story. They may make graphics that can go viral or even be shared amongst libertarians uh, you know, memes. So whatever it's, it's up to each person to individually find out what it is about you that, uh, can help spread the message. Because I believe when people are faced with tyranny on one hand versus, uh, the ideas of liberty that are presented correctly, that it's very hard to, uh, choose tyranny. Uh, you know, many people, they do it, they, they don't think they're choosing tyranny. They think they're choosing something else. They're being helped. They're being, you know, whatever they have, they, they believe that they're getting something out of it. So it's our job to show them that, you know, you're really heart hurting not only others, but also yourself by adopting these ideas. The vaccine passports, I don't know uh, specifically, I will tend to agree with you that there is a global uh, cabal, World Economic Forum. Again, they do not hide themselves. So uh, what they say is out in the open for everybody on the planet to go look and see what their motivations are, what their drives are. And uh, and they, they uh, state, I believe, the World Economic Forum, that they are the international uh, organization for the public-private partnerships. And that, in defi by definition, is economic fascism, which uh, was, which came up, which Benito Mussolini came up with. He saw, he called it corporatism, where you marry the state to the money. 
So you have power and money that are together as one, and they believe that this is you know the way to go for them. And vaccine passports, when you look at what it actually is, they're basically tagging us, and uh, it's it's to control our movements. Um, God, I hope to God that more, most people are against this. I believe that they they are, but they can't be silent about it. They have to speak out in whatever way that they're comfortable with in, in opposing this. Because if we are quiet, they will do it, and they'll be just as happy to just ram it through in, in any way that they can. Uh, in recent months, I've had Michael Rechtenwald on the show. Now, Michael has done a lot of work on the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum, and I asked him then for his views on the vaccine passports. Now, before that episode, he had coined the term, I think it was for one of his books, corporate socialism, to suggest what you have suggested, that corporations are working with the politicians probably as the the functional action force for the politicians in this partnership to advance an agenda. And it's... You don't, you don't have to look far to see it, but you have to see it. And it's easy to over, it's, it's astonishingly simple for people to overlook it. That seems, so, so this partnership is pretty big and faceless and it seems unstoppable. So the observation is that this, this is massive and it's not just the passports. That's one aspect. It's the great food transformation and it's, all the things that might be incorporated on the passports and social credit scores, and it's it's dozens of things. So that's the observation. The question is, how do we stop it? Well, the first thing is to see it, and you clearly do, and hopefully the people listening do, and and uh, because you have to be able to see what is being done. And I think Michael was correct. You know, this marriage of power and money. Uh, first off, the corporations love it because they, through, uh, through the power of government, can force you to use their products, can force, you, can force out their competition through legislation. Look what happened with COVID. The big politically connected corporations we, we read are, are doing better than ever. Meanwhile, the small businesses who are not tied to government, which is a good thing, they were legislated out of business or, you know, uh, dictated by their governors that they can't open. They, they're not going out of business because they're selling a bad product or service. They're going out of business because they were forbidden to open, you know, and, and people were shoveled into go to Walmart, go, to, go into big crowds, and, but they were big corporations that have the pull to stay open. And, uh, and I think that's part of the plan because... Um, uh, small businesses, like I said, are not connected to government, um, th- so they're they're very independent. They can choose what they want. Whereas the ones who are tied to government, I'm sure, if these vaccine passports go into effect, you know, you'll you'll go. They'll be at Best Buy. They'll be at Home Depot. They'll be at the big politically connected corporations. The deli down the street, I'm almost positive, would not w- care to ask you to pull your phone out and show if you've been vaccinated. So they're independent, the small businesses, which in my view is a threat to um, these, these big conglomerates. So we do have our work cut out for us. I wish I could say, this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to happen, but life is too complex. Um, but they will, like I said before, only do what they can get away with because they are outnumbered. There are far more regular people uh, than there are in these small cliques that rule over everybody. And they know that they're outnumbered. So they have to tread where they feel that it's safe to tread, where the people will, you know, even if they don't like it, they'll turn the other way and just deal with it. But if they see strong resistance, like I believe that they are seeing with this, uh, with the federal vaccine passports, which is why that they're slowly walking away from it. So you, you are correct. We have a big job ahead of us. You know, from, from the viewpoint of the, and, and there's a lot of kinds of people who don't see it. And then there might be people who are so busy working, just trying to exist that they don't, 
they don't take time to to view this. And that, that for a period of time, yeah. <laughs> the world didn't exist to me. I was married to a stove, eighty hours a week. If, if it didn't involve ordering food for the kitchen or feeding people who came in the restaurant, I didn't really care about it. It wasn't important because it didn't change anything about my daily life. So there's there's a group of people who don't see it because they're doing other things. There's a group of people who probably don't see it because it sounds so preposterous. How it just the the idea that your government, our government for America, I can't speak for anybody else, would consider doing something that we have been saying for seventy years never again. Well, we're kind of at never again, and it's it still seems impossible. It couldn't be someone. I, th- I think the thinking might be somebody would, somebody, who? Somebody would stop it. It couldn't get that far, except <laughs> it's it's not really a question. It's just, uh, I, I think there's, I think there's a comfortableness that has set in. Maybe it's an apathy. I don't know. Uh, but there's, the, and if it, we'll call it the apathy, along with the, immediate gratification of getting the thing I want at the big store. So maybe mom and pops car repair doesn't have the thing I need. They have to order it from Napa, which is a big box store. But if I go to Walmart, they have every single brake light in dozens of choices for every car ever made. So that's easy. So I, it's, it's my convenience that I'm going to go and give my money to you know, it's, I'm going to give my money to Jeff Bezos because it's easy and convenient. And I'm going to side with Bernie who complains about Jeff Bezos making too much money. Well, that seems kind of silly. So with that kind of setup, I'm going to go backward a little bit because it is possible there are some listeners who don't even know that this thing called the vaccine passport is an idea. And I did sort of mention that just this overstepping by the state seems impossible or improbable, and that's probably another episode. Uh, But we've seen, uh, we've read in the last few days that internet search histories might be included in that and maybe even tied to a credit score. So I think that the people who think that the vaccine password is just a demonstration that you've been poked might be misunderstanding the, the magnitude of what it is I hesitate to use the word evil, but in my heart, I feel like that's right. Let's call it a nefariousness uh, of overlords to manage lots of things about where we go. And people who remember a long time ago, there were those yellow cards for to demonstrate that you had the polio or smallpox vaccine. So I don't know if that's a precedent, but what is your view about how dangerous this new digital thing can become yeah the, the great question I'll, I'll start i'll try to start at the beginning uh you mentioned that most people are uh occupied with their normal lives and honestly that's how it really should be we shouldn't have to worry about these nefarious uh forces that are looking to interfere with our daily lives you know that's what it means to live a free life is because that's what we're really in charge of, what's in front of us, um, and taking care of ourselves, our family. And that is a big enough job to occupy you, you know. Uh, but there are people out there that that's not good enough for them. They see themselves in a messianic way, that the world is like a ball of clay that they are meant to mold into their own image. Uh, they're not, it's, it's wrong. For them to just let people go and you know worry about their own lives, you're going to do what this person says you're going to do. So it should be that you don't have to worry about Washington D.C. And our founders tried to make it to where you didn't have to worry about it. And until the early 1900s, the only connection that the average person had with the U.S. federal government was through the post office. Now that's almost impossible to believe today where virtually all aspects of our lives 
the federal government has some kind of say in it, whether we know it or not. Um, so that's where we want to at least head back towards where people can, uh, you know, pay attention to their own selves, their families. And that doesn't mean that you're a hermit, that you don't care about others. Of course you care about others, but you care about others that are in front of you that need help that you can physically or, or however help them not in these grand climate change world. They're changing the universe. They're going to manage the climate. They're, they're off in their own fantasy land about, uh, but that's how they view themselves. They view themselves as the molders of the world instead of the molders of themselves, which is the only power they actually have. Now with the vaccine passports, uh, they are absolutely not going to be limited to just this vaccine. They could be limited. Once they do it once, they can add on whatever they can or whatever they want. Because if you're not going to resist that first time, there the the outcry from the people that always support these crazy things will be they, they did it with the vaccine. What's the big deal? Why are you opposing this? It, and there's no limits to the amount of shots that they could inject to you, into you once they get that first one. And they could add whatever, like you said, a social credit score. If you're, uh, let's say you're overweight and, you know, they don't think you should be eating a cheesecake factory. Well, they can uh, put that on your passport. You know, it sounds crazy, but the fact that we're even talking about vaccine passports today means that the craziness can become a reality if we allow it. And if we open the door, and if COVID-19, this whole disaster, showed us one thing, is if you give them that 15 days, they will take it all from you if you, if you allow them. They just, they, they stuck it in. Just give us 15 days. You stay home. You know, relax. It won't be the end of the world. Americans, they let their guard down. They gave them the 15 days. And here we are over a year later. And they're not letting up in most cases. You know, we, we're... Where there are, and it doesn't matter if you have the examples of Florida and of Texas and of South Dakota. It's almost as if it's ignored; they don't exist. You know, once when you're in the Northeast, you're still living in the uh, in their dystopia, regardless of what's happening in Florida. So the mistake was opening that initial door, those 15 days, and it would be a a unimaginable mistake if we let them get away with vaccine passports. I, there's a, a fellow who engages me in one of my, uh, one of my groups and I presented those arguments about Florida and Texas and it was dismissed for some variety of reasons, but it's almost as if there's are statistical anomalies and therefore can't be included. And so we have, we still have a year and 15 days plus 54 weeks or whatever, uh, the dutiful waiting for permission to take their masks off and live their lives. Now, I did mention that we've been making this conversation mostly about the U.S. because that's where you and I live. But not too long ago, maybe the last week, we've seen uh, demonstrations, and this is maybe a lockdown. And I think I'm going to take the convenience of lumping all this stuff together because I think that the man, the mask mandates and the lockdowns and the vaccines and the passports are all part of this just one big thing. So in the last, uh, in Europe, the last month, there were demonstrations in Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Romania, Serbia, Sweden, which I find very interesting, the UK, France, and Poland. Now, there was a viral video of a Polish priest in Canada yelling what he called the Gestapo out of his church. <laughs> it was just glorious. It was fantastic. And I think they realized this one man against, I don't remember how many, encountered, maybe six or eight police, he was, he was not backing down. And, and they left. And that was, man, I, I was thinking of Luck Valenza and, and back in the 80s in Poland. I was like, this is amazing. So that's impressive. But that's, I think, a rare person to show his discontent. So maybe that's an extreme way to demonstrate our disapproval, taking to the streets, 
Well, America doesn't have a good record of that in the last couple of years. Things <laughs> don't work out well. Um, but is that a possibility? Is legitimate peaceful protest something that might make the message heard? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really up to the individual um, uh, to decide what is too risky for themselves, what is not because they are the one who's going to pay the price if it is too risky. Uh, you know, as libertarians, we preach only peace. So if you're going to protest, uh, absolutely no violence, because that's our philosophy, is non-aggression. You mentioned Europe, all those protests. The Europeans are well aware of tyranny. They've been through it so many times, especially Poland, like you mentioned, and that Polish priests, that they, Poland was one of the worst places to be during World War II because they were invaded by both the Nazis and by Stalin. They got both uh, stories that they can tell. So they understand what here in America we, because of our experience, do not understand. Do not understand that people have the capability to be unbelievably good unbelievably great, but at the same time, we have the capability to be unbelievably vicious and beyond what we could even imagine. And like you mentioned earlier, it, it, you know, this was only uh, less than 100 years ago that we're talking about where 60 million, 100 million, hundreds of millions, depending on the statistics, were killed by their own governments, not by war. This is putting war aside. This is people that died at the hands of their own socialist, communist, fascist governments. You know, America has not had anything like that, so we cannot relate to it. And the fact that people less and less with each generation learn about history, it's as if it never happened to them. They never even heard of it. So that's, that's a major problem. It's, it's very important that we teach the kids, the teenagers, about the 1900s, the bloodiest century probably in, not probably, in mankind's history. No, because the governments were so centralized and so big that this is not like some kings skirmishing with their next door neighbors. This was a massive, massive ordeal that has never been matched and hopefully never will be matched. Um, but people need to know the history and need to know what those people were thinking. And if they read about the Nazis and the Stalinists and the Leninists, literally what they were thinking and compared it to what people today are thinking, you would really understand what you're up against because it's virtually word for word. They're looking to achieve the same end. And, you know, they often resort to violent means. And what do they claim? What do they um, what do they gravitate to government? Because that's where the force is. That's where the army is. That's where the police are. And they want to use that to impose these, you know, untenable, unviable ideas. You made a, a comment about the potential for kindness in, in, in humans and, of course, the other side. But we want to talk about the good thing. Uh, I think and I, now I'm, I admit that I'm fairly new to the uh, world of Dr. Paul. So I'm, I'm, you would know far more about this than I would. But I think that. He's made a few comments that fewer regulations on people will afford them opportunities to display a generosity, either either to their neighbors or in their community, to build better neighbors. I think that there is a that I'm sure he's said it. I'm sure people smarter than me have said it that there's there is a direct relationship to how much freedom. A, an individual has to how much generosity that person exhibits to the rest of the people around him. Yes. Um, as far as regulating human behavior, uh, our, our philosophy, at least in our section of the libertarianism, is uh, as long as you are not physically you know, uh, harming someone, or stealing their property, harming their bodies, stealing their property, you know, it's 
you know, every situation needs to be thought out. Obviously there's different types of abuse, so, but as it's, a, it's a lot, it would be a lot different than it is today where they're, they try to micromanage even what you think, what you say, what your opinion is about anything. You know, this is trying to micromanage individuals. Um, so where ours is, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're voluntarily dealing with them and never forced to deal with someone, um, you know, people talk about the, you know, the big corporations. I, I have a problem with the ones that are tied to government, but I still use their services because uh, like you said, with Amazon, I, I go to Walmart because that part of what they're doing you know, serving our needs, I don't have a problem with. When they get into bed in, with government and then try to use force and, uh, you know, we can be open, but the small business can't be open, that, that there's a big problem there. But if you voluntarily deal with people, you know, I think about when I go anywhere to my supermarket, when I pay and that person across the, 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 um, the aisle is taking my money, I don't know what their political leanings are. I don't know what their uh, sexuality is. I don't know what their uh, thoughts on religion and God are. And and they don't know about mine because it has nothing to do with, with our voluntary transaction. They're giving me a product or service. I'm giving the money. And there's, you know, and it doesn't matter the color of our skin. We deal with one another. It doesn't matter. It's, that's all being changed and, uh, fueled in the opposite direction by those who want to micromanage. You know, they're making everything matter to where you don't know what you can do, what you can say, who you can buy from, you know, because they've created this web, this maze that makes no sense. There's no logic to it, but they, they manipulate people into hating others and, and they, they have their own reasons for doing that. So the, our philosophy is just deal with people peacefully. And the, the, the free market uh, is all about that. Um, it's, it's the opposite of the, what the big corporations want, where they regulate, you know, you need this, you need this. I, I have to have these smoke alarms. Not that I wouldn't have them on my own, but, you know, somebody's making that smoke alarm and they're making a, a, a mint uh, because it has to be in everybody's house. You know, that's the kind of business that, uh, you know, I disapprove of when you're, and it's the easiest way to become rich. Just have the government mandate that people have to get your product or use your service or have insurance or have this. You're guaranteed a constant flow of money that you didn't have to earn. You just had a law made to benefit you and you're sitting pretty for the rest of your life thanks to your buying of the politician instead of actually serving what customers want and are willing to actually pay you for. You know, the, the, the big company, and this is sort of a segue, but it is an observation that the big company, and this also works inside the government itself with the FDA and the pharmacy has an entire other kettle of fish, but, but small pharmaceutical industries, industries have been pushed out because they can't afford to play with the big guys. Uh, and Bezos, we, you know, everyone, nearly everybody buys from Amazon, but he's really eager for that $15 an hour minimum wage. And everybody thinks, yeah, we want that. But they don't seem to realize that Joe's garage probably can't afford to pay that. And if he did, you don't want to pay now what Joe has to charge for the AC check or the tire rotation because everyone thought this was a great idea. So Bezos says, sure, I got I got tons of money. I can afford to pay $15. I pay $17 an hour. And they can't. And so now I have increased my business because I put those other guys out of business. And you know, that's the unintended consequence of getting government involved. And well, we have lots of other shows to do, right. but right. <laughs> Uh, let's see if we can find some positivity here. Now, I will admit for one that I have moments of almost suffocating hopelessness in, in, in thinking about how do I, as just this guy in my house, fight, resist, 
Klaus and Gates and, and Biden and everybody else who wants this thing to happen. I mean, really, seriously? What am I? Come on, are you kidding me? So, strength in numbers is helpful, but I don't really see my numbers. Is there some positivity to be had in the thought that government is mostly inept? <laughs> so things they try generally don't work. Uh, and so maybe there is hopefulness in failure on the government's part. Or can we find joy some other way? And how do we spread that? Yes. Um, I, I, I feel the same way that you do at times. And you really have to work on the way that you view the situation. And I always try to get myself out of into a sense of helplessness because I'm only one person too, and try to view it as an opportunity. Um, anybody who has traded in the stock market and in any market understands trends and uh, you want to buy when everyone else is selling, you know, assuming you know, you're, you're buying the right thing. Well, I, I view it in the same way as uh, in this. W when it's a battle between, instead of bulls and bears, tyranny and liberty, I'm a buyer of liberty when tyranny is driving the price down. Uh, I hope that's a, <laughs> an analogy that makes sense. But it's, it, and that's the, the best time to do it. Uh, so, and, and, and I believe that we are armed with the truth that we are the two plus two equals four that are going against the two plus two equals five. I believe that the two plus two equals four is the one that you want to put, place your chips on. You don't want to place your chips on the two plus two equals five because you're going to ultimately get burned. So uh, in addition to I believe in the ideas of liberty, that's, that's why I want to push it as best as I can because I believe that it's, it's good for humanity too. I want to live with other people that are not looking to put their hands in my pocket and, and, and vice versa. Let's deal with one another as human beings, not let's uh, see who can get in control of the state and see who can rob the other person as a result of it or dictate to the other person as a result of it. That's what we have Republicans and Democrats. That's why nothing changes because they, with slight um, variations, they, they believe in state power. Whereas we believe in humanity, dealing with one another as humans, you know, as long as you don't harm one another or their property. Uh, so there is absolutely, I believe, hope, uh, because if you don't have hope in the truth, then, then you're really in trouble. Uh, so I do believe, and the best way is in like what we're doing now, spreading the ideas, because for the most, for, for many people, Hearing what you're saying, what I'm saying, is it'll be f the first time they ever hear anything like this. They never heard of it in school, never heard, definitely never heard of it in the media or Hollywood. Or so it can help change them. And and we can't be um, ourselves. I'm talking about concerned with changing the world. How about you know the person, one of the people that li listens to this, that it, it changes their outlook possibly for the rest of their lives, and po in a, and in a positive way. That in itself carries a huge reward, regardless of what happens with the world. And in the meantime, uh, myself, yourself, we take care of, you know, our local situation. Your local situation is going to be different than mine, which is different than Ron Paul's, which is different than everyone else's. Take, make the decision that's in front of you that is the right one for you guys, that is peaceful, that doesn't harm anybody else, and try to avoid in as best as you can these acts of tyranny that are trying to fence us in, find ways legally, peacefully out of them, loopholes, whatever, to save yourself and your family, because that's what we're in charge of. You know, your, uh, your, your bull bear market of tyranny and liberty reminded me of a comment you made at the beginning. And I sort of chuckled to myself because it sounded like the, uh, instead of the, business cycle it was the government tyranny cycle <laughs> yeah that's so but i think i think i think you're right and we seem just we seem to be in the on the wrong side of that cycle right now which is too bad um you know 
there's, I think one of the, and I think everybody, everybody can feel it. I think that there's one, we know that there's a, I think there's a, the, the tolerance most people have of this is reaching its limit, but there's a, uh, I, it may have been, it may have been you, it may have been Daniel. Somebody was talking about the PSYOP impact of, of these lockdowns and all of this. And there's one, and this is, I don't know how long it's going to last. One of the bad impacts is now we don't trust our neighbors. If you get too close to me, you're going to make me sick. I saw, even with the new uh, information yesterday or the day before about wiping down surfaces is, I mean, if it's dirty, clean it, but don't sanitize every 15 seconds. I saw a restaurant door today that said, don't touch the handles, we'll open the door for you. Yeah. It's, we've, not we, the government has made us terrified of our neighbors. Yeah. You're not wearing a mask. You're too close. What are you, are you breathing on me? It's just, this is going to have possibly, who knows, some really long-term ramifications. And I'm more, I wonder, how is this going to impact my kids? I mean, no one knows the answer to that, but what does life look like in 15 years? What, what has been set in their little brains now that maybe can't be undone. And that's, who knows? I mean, this is just, this is just thinking out loud, but sort of wondering in, in not a joyful way, what are the outcomes here? And, and, and how long does this tyranny curve last before we find our way back up to liberty? I don't, if, if you had asked us this, you'd be a rich man. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, I have seen major changes. We talked about how people are mostly concerned, and I say rightly so, with their own lives. And I just know from my circle of people that I know that most people were like that. You know, I am off with my Ron, with the Ron Paul show, and, and most people I know, they, they're... They think it's cool, but they, you know, they don't watch and I don't ask them to, and that's their, their, their thing. But, uh, as, as much as I've had differences with president Trump, he, uh, woke up a lot of people, a lot of people that, you know, that around me that loved him, that supported him and the reaction to him showed these people, these regular people, that something is messed up, whether it be the media, whether it be uh, mostly the media. That, that was the big one. Um, and it just uh, the censorship, the just the vitriol for f- over four years from the moment he stepped on that escalator showed that something, that the government is not what people have been taught throughout their lives. And it is not what they've ignored, you know, uh, you know, because it's not a part of their lives. They don't really care. It's not, but they thought it, that it was something benign. It's not something benign. And I've seen a mental shift in family members, in neighbors uh, over these last four years. And now with this COVID, that just added to it. Now they're, I've seen <laughs> some of the people I know have flipped completely to where now they are interested in the ideas of liberty, uh, which is goes along with my what I said earlier as viewing this as an opportunity, as dark as it may seem, because now people will be looking for answers, and there has to be people there that are going to provide it. Um, as far as um, making us scared of one another, you know the the ultra power people, when you look into the ideas of the dictators and stuff, they want micro control over people. And one of the ways that they do it is they want to disarm you. Now, everybody knows about the Second Amendment, and there's a reason why the Second Amendment was there. It's so that you are physically armed, you know, in case of tyranny. Well, fear mentally disarms you. So 
people in power want to physically disarm you. They want to take your guns, but they want to mentally disarm you by making you constantly afraid, whether it be of, you know, some foreign leader, whether it be of the climate changing, no matter what it is, the goal is to make you afraid because when you're afraid, your guard is down and you're more susceptible to look to them to do something. And they will surely do something because that's what they want. And as far as separating people, you know, their ultimate goal, and this may sound strange to people, is for them to have access to you with no in-betweens, no competing um, uh, institutions, which is why they, there's an aversion to the family. There's an aversion to the church. There's a, ver you know, whether you're religious or not, the church stands in the way of the state having a clear path to every individual. There's an aversion to marriage because, again, these are competing loyalties. And those who want total power, they're sick people. They don't want any competing loyalties between them and you. They want to say and you obey. And, you know, that sounds like a far fetch stretch, but you know what? When you look at 2021, we're certainly moving in such a direction. You know, all of these things that I said are under constant attack, the church, the family, marriage, anything that competes with total loyalty to the state. So, and the surest way, the number one tool that they use is fear because it disarms you. You're at their mercy because they will come in on their horse with their solution and their solution always ends up with more control for them. Yes, it does. Folks, let's take a moment out for a word from Jake about his Tasting Anarchy podcast. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. All right, I want to move into a different part of the show. This is just a little bit of short answer Quick questions, and it's just kind of fun. Of the five flavors, sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami, which one do you enjoy the most? I will go with sweet. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Tacos. What's your least favorite food? Oh, what is my least? I don't like mushrooms. What gets you excited? I... I love my work. I love the message that I uh, spread. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say, you know, of course, my family is more important than my work, but my work makes me excited to get up and, and work. What turns you off? Tyranny turns me off. <laughs> what sound do you love? I love music. So anything music related. What sound do you hate? There are certain types of music that I do not like, <laughs> but uh, I don't like the sound of politicians on the television. So <laughs> that's a more interesting answer. <laughs> what is your favorite food indulgence? Indulgence? I like, I like junk food. I like Doritos. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Um, what we've talked about doesn't necessarily have a book to go with it, but if there is a um, obviously a website to find, but I'm just thinking about something for people who are interested in, we covered a lot of stuff, learning more about this, some resources, website, a book, something you can think about as a way for people to get more information. Okay. I have a few. Um, one, I naturally, I would like to plug uh, the show that I'm on every week, and that's the Ron Paul Liberty Report. 
Um, the best way to follow us, because we are on different platforms, is to go to ronpaullibertyreport.com. Um, that you'll get all of our shows there, plus articles that I write, that Dr. Paul writes. Um, in addition to that, with foreign policy, uh, Ron Paul has the Ron Paul Institute, and that is specifically uh, geared towards foreign policy as well as civil liberties, and that is at ronpaulinstitute.org. For economics, I recommend the Mises Institute, and that is M-I-S-E-S dot org. There you will find everything that you could possibly imagine related to libertarianism, free market economics. Um, and then finally, for uh, specifically libertarianism, and uh, I would recommend lewrockwell.com, L-E-W. R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. And those are the main places that I would recommend. Yeah, the Mises. <laughs> you mean you lost in there for a week. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I know you've got a thing, so probably time to do a few personal items and <laughs> back to whatever it is, but uh, fill up on coffee maybe. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you very much. I thanks really a lot. Appreciate I appreciate you taking some time today. Thank you very much, Dan. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'll link to the websites Chris mentioned on today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 136. Pick up a copy of my cookbook, Cooking for Comfort, one-pot meals you can make on Amazon or from my blog post, culinarylibertarian.com slash cooking for comfort. Who wants a kitchen full of pots and pans in the summer? Easy dinners are just my cookbook away. Please share this episode on your social media feeds. We need this kind of message to get out there, so the more platforms you post it on, the better off we are. Some of those platforms are less liberty-friendly than others, and I think you know what I mean. Also, like the post when you see it, and rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher, so each new episode is waiting for you in your feed. Have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.